Amen. But let's take our Bibles this morning. We're going to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Thank Brother Thomas for looking after things in our absence. I didn't get any phone calls, so I'm assuming there were no catastrophes. <laughs> Bless the Lord. I'm looking forward to getting a chance to listen to the recording of Brother Thomas's ministry. Last time he ministered while I was away, the recording failed, so I never got to hear it. And uh, I'm hoping that I'll be able to get a chance this time. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 4. And verse 1, the Apostle Paul writing says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification or even the things that will separate you under the Lord, the things that will help you to be holy, that you should abstain from fornication. Now, I'm not teaching about fornication today, but we understand that normally in the narrow definition of that word, it refers to sexual immorality, and it certainly is included here, but there's a broader application. Fornication can include the concept of unfaithfulness in any capacity. And so when we read that here, that we should abstain from fornication, it's not just about ticking a box that says, yes, I'm not participating in sexual immorality. But there is a, there is a principle of, of, of dedication and faithfulness that is involved here. But verse 4 is where I want to particularly focus on this morning. Where Paul wrote and he said that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and in honor. Amen. And this morning I'm going to be preaching for a little while about possessing your vessel. Possessing your vessel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word, for your presence that is here, Lord God. And we just pray, Lord, that you would meet with us, that you would encourage us and strengthen us this morning, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Bless the Lord. The Bible lets us know that when we're born again of water and the Spirit, as it tells us in Acts 2 and 38, or in other words, when we have repented, turned away from our sin, been baptized in the name of Jesus to have those sins washed away and filled with his spirit without evidence of speaking in other tongues that's that's what it means to be born again there's a lot of other ideas out there but that's what the bible tells us it means to be born again but let's just know that when we've gone through that new birth experience that we become the temple of the holy ghost in fact in first corinthians 6 and 19 we are challenged to remember or to not forget that it says don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That these, these bodies that are so very much made up of flesh and, and blood and bone and muscle and sinew, as much as they are physical, they are even more so spiritual. And although they have physical capacity and appearance, these bodies were designed to be spiritual vessels, to be beings that had spiritual life, not just physical life, but that we might have spiritual life. And in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 4, the word vessel is used in reference to these bodies. In fact, when you read modern translations of that same verse, they use the word body instead of the word vessel. And so these bodies that you and I have 
are likened to vessels, containers, temples for the Spirit of God. And if you have the Holy Ghost, you understand what that's about this morning. But before we were born again, before we were able to become the vessel that we were designed to be, we were in sin. And so we were a vessel that was filthy both within and without. A vessel that was full of sin that we were given over to without that sin was demonstrated in our habits, our practices, and our lifestyle. And so... So as, as I'm going to be using a few props this morning to help me to communicate what I'm talking about. But if you can imagine this glass full of all kinds of rubbish, if we were to take it out and put dirt in there and, and rubbish and whatever other filthy things we could find in the bin or in the gutter and in the drains, that's what we were like before we were born again. A vessel full of everything that does not please God, that doesn't satisfy the Lord. But thank God this morning for His blood. Thank God for the blood of Calvary that still washes white as snow. It's still able to take what we would consider the filthiest human being, the the most corrupt and disgusting and perverse life, and he's still able to wash it in his blood, and he's still able to fill it with his spirit and make it as if it was brand new. And I'm glad for that this morning. Amen. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. So I'm going to get somebody to help me out here today. Let's, I'll get accused of picking the same people. Jonathan, you can come and help me out. Matthew told me that whenever I use a good example, I use Moses. And when I use a bad example, I use Chi-Chi. So I'm trying to get away from that habit. I don't want to upset people or hurt their feelings. So we'll use you for all the examples today, bro. Good, bad, and in between. So when we, when we are filled with the Spirit, you, you can take that. You're going to be, you're going to be the demonstration. When the Lord washes us in His blood, you can fill that up for me, please, and fills us with His Spirit, it's like a perfectly clean vessel that is filled with living water. That's why, you can probably just put the jug just on the floor for the moment. This is not well rehearsed, so we're just going to wing it and see how we go. But that's why when in John 7, Jesus stood and He said, If anybody's thirsty, He said, Come unto me and drink. And he said, for as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And it goes on to explain to us that that is a reference to the Holy Ghost or receiving the Holy Ghost, which was not yet poured out. And living water is the only thing that can satisfy the thirst of the human soul. We do our best to try to give our lives meaning and purpose and satisfaction with many other things, but it is only the Spirit of God that can actually satisfy your soul, that can actually do something for the thirst that all of us are born deep within us. Because God designed it that way. He designed it so that His Spirit would be the only thing that can satisfy our soul. Amen. Many of you can remember the first time that you were filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. If we went around the room, some of you could testify of how you felt and and how it happened and how you came to church not expecting it or how you'd gone through a period of time where you'd almost given up and then God filled you with the Holy Ghost. It it might have been at an altar. It might have been driving your car. I know a young lady that was filled worshiping the Lord in the shower. But many of us can remember the day or the night that we were first filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost because there is nothing 
that compares to that. I will never forget that night. It's been some 33 years since God first filled me with His Spirit as an 11-year-old boy. But I will never forget. I can't give you a lot of detail, but I remember that night. I remember leaving church and going out. There was a few of us got the Holy Ghost that night. We went out to celebrate. And I just remember it was like I was there, but I wasn't there. Everybody was around me, but I was in my own little world, just enjoying the presence of the Lord. Just Basically, it was just wow. And that's what we remember. Amen. Corinthians tells us that we have a treasure in earthen vessels, that God in His wisdom has said that He would put His Spirit into our lives and into our bodies, even though we are just clay pots. One of the modern translations says jars of clay, which is where I think the band got their name from. And that we, even though we're still flawed, we're not perfect, He still has chosen to fill us with His Spirit. Amen. If you get tired, you can sit down. Otherwise, you can just stand there and hold that glass. We'll get to something soon. Actually, maybe just sit down. I'll, I'll give you a buzz in a minute. Bless the Lord. Some of us have just been to General Conference, and it was a great time of preaching and teaching, wonderful worship, rich fellowship, old friends, new friends. It's always a good time. And these events, conference, youth camp, men's camp, ladies' camp, Foundation Day conference, youth weekends, etc., etc., these events are a wonderful time of blessing. They're a wonderful time of encouragement and strength. And in some ways, it's, you go there and it's like taking that vessel and putting it under a waterfall. It's just, it just keeps pouring and you can't contain it. And you, you go home that night from the services and you think, I just don't think I can take much more of God after today. But then you get up in the morning and you go and do it all over again the next day. And that's, it's like if you've ever you know, swam or been physically under a waterfall and tried to drink from a waterfall, it just overwhelms you. You might actually get to drink some of it, but you cannot contain that waterfall. And we, we become encouraged and, and, and we are so, so blessed. And I know when I'm at General Conference, I lose track of the days of the week. Every time I go, I don't have a clue what day of the week it is because every day is exactly the same. Get up in the morning, promise myself I'm going to go to bed early that night and go to church. Have fellowship, go to church that night, break my own promise and stay up too late fellowshipping and get up the next morning and repeat the same thing. There's no Monday, there's no Wednesday. It's just conference. And I love that. I love that. I don't mind feeling like I'm living in church every day. You tend to forget that there is a world outside, that there is a real life you have to go back to, and you just get lost in the goodness of God. And we love that. Amen. And those of you that weren't able to make it, we hope that we're able to encourage you and bless you with what we bring back. But the reality, the harsh reality, pastors always talk about reality, is that you cannot live that way. Brother Gleason said something when he ministered at a conference of how the Word of God talks about how we are changed from glory to glory. And he brought out the fact that we don't live in the glory, but there's a journey between. And that's very much how it is. When we leave conference or youth camp, wherever else it is, we have to be able to walk day by day with the Lord in the regular routine of life. You've got to go back to work. And everybody said, thank you, Jesus. You young people have got to go back to school. Some of you, the strange ones, look forward to going back to school. A lot of you don't want to go back to school. I only say that because I never look forward to going back to school. 
But, you know, there are some people, there are some people that even though they get to general conference, they really struggle with life when they get home. They're not able to seem to be able to maintain it. I, I know people, I know people who get to conference and experience the power of God in a mighty way. God touches them and does great things for them. And then spiritually they disappear until the next event. And when you've been to as many conferences as I have, you, you get to know after a while there are some people that you know that when conference is done and it's all over, that, you know, you hope it's going to be different. But there, there are people I know, and I'm, forgive me, I'm not being judgmental, but there are people I just know from observation that will come to conference, that will run the aisles, that will dance and jump, but they won't be in their home church the following Sunday or the Sunday after that or the Sunday after that. But come the next conference, they'll be there and they'll be pumped and excited. And, but there's that cycle that goes around and around. And so I want to preach to you this morning maybe perhaps not as exciting a message as we would expect after conference, but about possessing your vessel. And particularly for some of you that are younger, whether physically or spiritually or both, some steps that we can take to stay on course in regular life. Because we don't necessarily believe in odds. We don't gamble, but it's, the odds are not necessarily in the, in the favor of the Lord coming back in the middle of general conference. There are 52 weeks in the year. Conference is one of those. You have a one in 52 chance that the Lord's going to come back during general conference. Now, he may. He hasn't let me know. And I, as far as I read, he's not telling anybody. So I need to be ready even when it's not general conference. Because I tend to believe that he's coming back on an ordinary day. When you're just going through the motions of living your life and trying to serve the Lord. And so in that journey, I must be able to possess my vessel. I must be able to walk with God and continue with God so that whatever day he chooses to come back, I'm still ready. Amen. Bless the Lord. Now, this is where I get Jonathan involved again, bro. You're going to need to give me that glass. Bring that stool and that bucket over here. This is where having a recording, an audio recording fails because nobody can see what we're doing. Just put that there and put the bucket on top. Okay, now grab your jug. The first thing that is important when it comes to keeping, to possessing your vessel is that we need to return to the source daily. So every day, top me up, bro. See, every day, that'll do, that'll do, that'll do. Easy, easy. That's full of the Holy Ghost right there. But every, every day, you know, you, you don't have a gauge like a petrol gauge on the Holy Ghost. You can't check your gauge and say, well, my tank's only half full or I'm in the red zone. or You can't, but the simple facts of life are that living in this life, we need to recognize that we have to be, we have to be topped up. We need to come back and be topped up again and again. And so... I'm just going to put that in there for the moment because I'm too far away from my notes. You can just stay there, bro. Bless the Lord. But we have to deliberately put time aside every day. It must be deliberate. It cannot just be when it fits because, trust me, if you put spiritual time in the when it fits box, your flesh will make sure it never fits. 
you have to deliberately say, this time is God's. It is not negotiable. Amen. The guest speaker we have coming for Foundation Day, his wife was talking to me when I was with him in Kuala Lumpur in July, and she was saying her husband made a commitment to God when he was in Bible school that he would fast every Wednesday for the rest of his life as long as he was physically able to do so. Now, he's, he, I certainly wouldn't say he's an old man, but he's probably in his late 50s if I had to guess. If he's younger than that, forgive me, Brother Sham. But he now has diabetes, and so he's not able to fast like he once was. But he, Sister Sham told me that he, fast, he kept that commitment even on Christmas Day. Every seven years or so when Wednesday was Christmas Day, he fasted Christmas. And I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I could fast Christmas Day. That's a tough day to go without. That's normally an excessive food day, not a day you have no food. But he made that commitment to the Lord. And I happen to know he also made a commitment that he would pray for an hour a day and he, he, to the point that he keeps detail. If he's been short in the morning, he'll make sure he finishes that hour before he goes to bed. Now, I'm not saying that you should, should cut and paste that or copy and paste that into your own life, but the point is it has to be deliberate. If you're going to keep the vessel full, you've got to deliberately keep coming back to the source. You've got to keep coming back to the waterfall, as it were, to the fountain that flows. Out of the Bible talks in the Old Testament, it says, therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. You have to deliberately choose to do that. Amen. I cannot live at general conference, but I can choose to come back to the source every day. Amen. We need, we need to use the pattern that God gave us in the Lord's Prayer. It talks to us about taking time for praise and worship. It talks about seeking forgiveness and bringing our needs to Him. Because I don't know about you, but I'm a long way from being perfect. So even on the days when I might not be aware of something I've messed up, there's a good chance I've fallen short of the mark somewhere. I've had an attitude that wasn't quite right. I've said something I probably shouldn't have said, even when I'm ignorant of that fact. That's why the Lord's Prayer includes that example of coming to the Lord and saying, God, search my heart. Forgive us as we forgive others. And so, so I would... Uh, this is what we're going to do. This is what the buck is for. If you knock this on the carpet, Sister Pam will be after you. All right. I would suggest when we come back to the source that we need to try to daily have a rinse and refill policy. Come back into his presence. And I said, Lord, wash me again. Cleanse me again, Lord. Fill me again. You can hang on to that. With your spirit. Lord, God, day, we need to come back each time and say, Lord, cleanse me. Fill me again. Renew me. Bless the Lord. That's important. If you're conscious of something you've done you shouldn't have, confess it to the Lord. Ask his forgiveness. Even when we don't know, we need to come and say, God, search my heart. We need to allow the spirit of God to refresh and to renew us daily. You know, there is no direct instruction in Scripture to speak in tongues every day. I can't give you a verse that says thou must speak in tongues every day. But the Bible does say that we are to be filled with the Spirit and that we are to walk in the Spirit and that we are to have enough of the Spirit in us that it affects our behavior. So I would suggest that daily is a good practice. Amen. Rest the Lord. Bring your vessel back to the source of that living water every day. Rinse and refill. Rinse 
and refill. Bless. You know, we, we can use, you know, think about what we do when we come to the house of the Lord. If you want to get the maximum out of a service, this is what you do. You come early and you pray. Then when you've been in prayer, you come in to worship and we exalt the Lord together. Then now we have the time where the Word of God is ministering to us. When we close in prayer, a lot of you will hang around and you will fellowship for a little while. If you will think about that pattern and put that as part of your daily life, put those components into your daily life, it will strengthen you and it will bless you. You spend time in prayer. Spend some time praising the Lord. Spend some time in the Word of God. Now, not every day can you get together with others to fellowship, but if you're in a family that's serving the Lord, you've got fellowship in your home. You young people that, that are single and may not necessarily have family members that are in church, most of the time young people tend to hang out more because they've got less going on as far as responsibilities go. But if we will put those, that pattern, if we think about what we do here on a Sunday and take those same components and put them into our daily lives, it'll make a difference. Amen. Bless the Lord. The second thing that we can do to help to possess our vessel is to keep our vessel clean. Now, I have already mentioned the whole rinsing and refilling thing, but we need to take care to keep our vessel clean day to day. Amen. If we allow things that the, the devil wants to get into the, our vessel to do so, we let our guard down and we become accustomed to uncleanliness. Amen. And see, the devil, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, if, if you read that chapter, you'll, you'll hopefully recognize that it's talking about some of the events of the last day, the Antichrist, but it uses an expression in about verse 10 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It talks about the deceivableness of unrighteousness of how we are tricked, deceived into unrighteousness. And you see, the devil, for, for all the things that he is, he's not stupid. He's not going to set up camp in your front yard with a giant banner that invites you to serve sin. Because you'll go, really? No, the answer is no, I'm not interested. But he's looking for subtle ways to affect us. He's looking for ways to move our position in such small steps that if we're not careful, we don't even notice. He knows that we're the children of God. He's not just going to say, you ought to sin. And we're going to say, no, I ought to not. But he's looking for little ways to get in. Now, I don't know who the green cordial belonged to. If it was Sunday school or youth, I owe you for about a quarter of a cup of green cordial. But what the devil likes to do is just add a little. Just tint the water. Till it is still a glass of water. From where you're sitting, you probably can't even see the green like I can. But it's just a tint. Just a slight adjustment. He might come along and he might try to tint the water with pride. You know, I'm pretty special. You know, I think this church is really blessed to have me here. Uh, some of these other people in this congregation would be more like me. God knows what kind of a church we'd have. Yes, he does. That's why it's not happening that way. He might try to bring in pride. He, he might come along and, and just try to slip in a little bit of lust. Whether it's for possession, covetousness, fornication, whatever it might be, desires that are born out of a carnal, sinful nature, they begin just in a little fashion. You don't go to bed one day being humble and, and, and not wanting anything and waking up the following morning full of pride and desiring everything. It is a process. 
And one of the devil's favorite weapons is offense. And you know what happens when he tends to the water? It changes the way you see things. When I look through that now, I can't see the girls in the front row because of the shape of the glass. But they would have a very different appearance because everybody looks green. Still got a glass of water. Probably still okay to drink, but it's green. And slowly but surely, a little bit at a time, the shade gets darker and darker and darker. And you wake up one day and you wonder why you don't want to go to church anymore, why you don't like the people that you go to church with, why reading your Bible is so boring and prayer is so lame and all of those things that used to stir your soul hold no interest whatsoever. You're little by little. Do a rinse and a refill, please, bro. Get that thing clean. So we need to rinse and refill. Rinse and refill. You might need to do a double rinse. Make sure all that green's gone. Bless the Lord. Nothing wrong with repeating a little bit more. Amen. So we need to keep our vessels clean. The next thing we need to do to possess our vessel is don't substitute other things for living water. I just lost some of you right there. Now, I like an ice-cold Coke as much as the next person. And I'm not preaching against Coke as a rule. But, but you see, nothing, nothing quenches thirst like water does. Nothing in your natural body actually quenches your thirst like water does. And nothing spiritually satisfies your soul like living water does. Amen. Now, on a hot day, you've been playing sport, mowing lawns, building houses, whatever it is you might be doing, and ice-cold Coke is not a bad experience. Let's put it that way. But when you drink Coke or any other soft drink, just in case I get sued for picking on Coke, it seems to quench your thirst. After all, it's cold and it's liquid. Your mouth is dry that icy cold liquid hits your mouth, and you feel like it's done the job. You feel like it's refreshed you. You feel like it's quenched your thirst. But the reality is that the sugar content in Coke and other soft drinks actually stimulates a desire for more of the same. The same works with high sugar foods. I don't want to bore you with lots of details, but there is a reason that the bread at places like McDonald's is sweeter than the bread you're used to eating. It's deliberately made that way to cause you to want more, to spend more of your money eating things that are not worth eating. And that's exactly what happens, is that, that when you substitute something for living water in the immediate, it can seem to be the same and do the same job. But what it will actually do is cause you to desire more of the substitute, more of the fake, more of the counterfeit. Amen. But it does not actually quench your thirst. You see, as science searches for life on other planets, one of the things they look for is water. Why is that? Because they understand that water is necessary to sustain life. Without water, nothing lives. You and I can go without food for a while, maybe at least 15 minutes. But we can't go very long without water. Without water, we will die in a relatively short period 
of time. And when God gave us water at creation, when he spoke everything into existence, it wasn't an accident. He knew that water was the perfect substance to sustain our lives. In fact, we know that a very large percentage of our bodies are made up of water. And the Lord knew that when he made us. And when God, in much the same way, the living water that God promised in John 7 and delivered in Acts chapter 2 is evidence of spiritual life. Just like water on another planet would possibly be evidence to sustain life. Won't happen, but that's a lesson for another day. Being filled with the Spirit is evidence of having spiritual life. You cannot be spiritually alive without the living water. Amen. Bless the Lord. And when we substitute a man-made product, a man-made product for living water or even natural water, we experience a short-term satisfaction that actually produces a greater thirst and doesn't bring satisfaction. Amen. And when we try to manufacture something spiritual in our own strength, try to produce something in our own strength, it can have the same outcome. In the immediate, it might seem good, it might seem acceptable, but it will leave emptiness in its place. Amen. Bless the Lord. For example, in the, in the, there are some churches where there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of emotion that is stirred up. There's, it's, it's falsely generated excitement. And there's nothing wrong with getting excited in church. I think we ought to. I think when you've been born again and you understand what he's done for you, it ought to cause you to get excited. It ought to cause you to lift your hands and lift your voice, sometimes get to your feet and dance and jump and shout, because we understand. But there is a false wherever there is a true. And if we try just to whip people into an emotional frenzy without any substance, it's like selling fairy floss. It's big and it's pretty, but it's got nothing in it. And it won't satisfy. Hypocrisy, pretending to have something or to be something that you aren't. You can fake it until you think you make it, but if you haven't got the real thing, there's nothing in it. Amen. As well as, I don't want to get too strong this morning, but as well as a lot of the non-biblical mumbo-jumbo that makes its way into modern Christianity, it has no substance. It's got to be born out of the throne of God. Amen. When Elijah got up on Mount Carmel with those prophets of Baal, and you know that story, he got up there and he was one man. He wasn't wearing an Armani suit. He wasn't looking like a television preacher. All the others, there were hundreds of them, all in matching choir robes and doing their thing, but they had nothing. But when that prophet lifted his voice, turned his face toward heaven and cried out unto the Lord. God answered him with fire. Amen. That's the real thing. Hallelujah. You see, I've, I used to preach this at youth camps when I used to be involved in youth ministry. But it's all right to be able to jump and run and dance, but you've still got to be able to walk when you hit the ground. It's easy to get excited at general conference. It is. But Monday's coming. And Tuesday and Wednesday. And when the lights go out and the band is finished, you've still got to be able to walk in the Spirit. Amen. Bless the Lord. You can probably put that in the bucket and sit down. Thanks, bro. Watch me knock that over now. Bless the Lord. I'm nearly done. But we need to be careful where we take our vessel. 
We need to be careful where we take our vessel. You can take a sparkling clean glass like this, take it down in your backyard into your shed, put it in the shed and close the door. Come back in a week, two weeks, or a month. Now, if your shed's anything like mine, you probably can't find the glass after a month. Oh, no, that's not true. Matthew cleaned it up for me before Christmas. But you know, in that shed, it's dusty. You probably keep poisonous chemicals in there. Fertilizer, weed killer, paint, all that kind of stuff tends to live in the shed. Not only that, there's bugs, there's spiders. Uh, Matthew wasn't really excited about going in the shed because of all those spiders. But we, we, we did something to try to eliminate them before we cleaned it out, before he cleaned it out. No, get that wrong. But the thing is, if you go back into that shed when it's in there with all that other stuff after a month, you're probably not going to want to drink out of that glass. It was clean when you put it in there. And you didn't put anything else in the glass, but you put it somewhere in an environment that affected it in such a fashion that you're going to be thinking twice about whether or not you're willing to drink out of that glass again. Amen. Now, there are just some places that your vessel isn't meant to be. That's just the facts. Some people don't like that kind of preaching, but there are some places your vessel just isn't meant to be. I'm not suggesting that we need to stay home and lock the doors and close the windows and hide under the bed till Jesus comes. I don't believe that's biblical. I believe that Jesus wants us to be a light in this world. We need to be reaching the lost. We need to be making a difference on the job, in our school, when we spend time with others, when we talk to our neighbors. We need to have our vessels so full of living water that when we bump into them, a little of that splashes onto them and affects them. Not the other way around. You know, we see the example of the Lord in that he ate with sinners. He cared for them. The Apostle Paul went to the marketplace. He went into people's homes. But there, and we need to do the same things. But there are still some places that we do not go. And I don't want to go through a long list of that today. We're not foolish. We understand that there, when it is a place where the primary purpose is to promote sinful activity, you need to stay away from that. You know, Paul may have gone to the marketplace. He may have gone down to the riverside and ministered to the people there and done his best to reach the people of those areas that he went to. But when he was in Ephesus, you do not read that he went to the temple of Diana, place full of idol worship and, and temple prostitution and all manner of wicked things. He didn't go there. You know, sometimes you say, well, I'm going to go into the bar, or I'm going to go into the club, and I'm going to reach people. That is foolishness. You can reach those people, just not in the bar or in the club. They don't live there. They'll come out sooner or later. There are just some places where we don't take our vessels. Amen. And finally, the fifth thing, only use your vessel for its intended purpose. Revelation 4 and 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You were created for a purpose. Be careful that you keep your vessel in line with its created purpose. I wouldn't take this glass and use it to dig in the garden. I wouldn't take it and use it without being too graphic to clean the bathrooms. I certainly wouldn't drink out of it after I'd been cleaning the bathrooms with it. It has a purpose. It's a vessel of honor. 
It's designed to be a vessel of honor. And we are designed to be vessels that give him honor. And so we need to ask ourselves, do my actions please God? Does my speech please the Lord? Do my thoughts and my attitudes please the Lord? The path that I'm currently on, is it heading in a direction that pleases God? We have to ask those questions. God's word, you see, the word of God gives us instruction to live a holy life. It tells us that there are things that God requires of us. And sometimes we think, well, Lord, that seems too much. But we have to understand God is never going to ask something of us that is impossible for us to keep. If the Lord says that we can do it, we can do it. He's given us power by His Spirit. He's given us the direction from His Word. He's given us the body of Christ, the church, to help encourage and strengthen one another, to be a part of. And even after all that He's done, if we fail, He's just and faithful to forgive us. Really, there is no excuse. We are able to possess our vessels. And I want to encourage you this morning and challenge you today to possess your vessel for Jesus Christ. You know, I want to particularly try to encourage our young people. I know it's not easy. I was young once. It was a while ago. But the Bible tells us this in Titus chapter 2. It says, it says the grace of God that brings salvation or that, that makes salvation possible has appeared to all men. Teaching us. What teaches us? God's grace teaches us. In other words, it's only possible by His grace that we should deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. That tells me that by the grace of God, I can be victorious. I can live for God. I can deny ungodliness. I can turn away from unrighteousness and possess my vessel in honor, even in 2016. It is still possible because He's still greater. Let's stand together this morning. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.